What is it that stands in the way of a forgiving attitude? It's that person you see in the mirror. Here's Pastor Al Pittman. Until I'm obedient with Christ, I will not punish the disobedience that my flesh wants to do, which is to hold a grudge or to walk in unforgiveness in this particular case. I must take my ego, my flesh captive, into obedience in Christ. First, obeying the Lord. I must redirect my flesh. Do not allow your ego to dictate your steps, the steps of your life, the way you treat one another. Dwelling place, dwelling place, dwelling place. You are my dwelling place, dwelling place, dwelling place. Welcome to The Dwelling Place with Pastor Al Pittman. We're pleased to have you with us today as Pastor Al brings to a close his mini-series titled Healthy Church Fundamentals. Do you consider your church to be healthy? There are certainly signs to be looking out for that would indicate an unhealthy church, and one of them is a lack of forgiveness. Let's face it, no matter how we might try to avoid it, we're going to do something that hurts another. By word or by action, we offend one another, and we need to be forgiven. The bottom line is this, God forgives us for our sins. He sent His precious Son to die for those sins. Why then should we not forgive one another? Here's Pastor Al Pittman. I can forgive, but I cannot forget. It's only another way of saying, I will not forgive. Forgiveness ought to be like a canceled note, torn in two and burned up so that it never can be shown against one, close quote. Amen. <laughs> now, there are some days where I have to burn that note five, four or five times. Amen. Because the devil will try to bring it back to you and say, you need to collect on this. You go, no, that's torn up. That's been burned in Jesus' name. One way to keep from resurrecting past offenses is to never bring them up again. Now, in full disclosure, but this is a hard one for me. Because to bring them up again is an opportunity to get your pound of flesh, is it not? But does the Bible not say that vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Vengeance does not belong to you or me. Vengeance in our hand, and when vengeance is in our hand, it will burn our whole house down. But when vengeance has been placed in the hand of God, God is long-suffering and patient, and he will cause all things to work out together for good. We don't need to have vengeance, but we like to have vengeance sometimes, you know, and, and to repeat matters and all this. And, and our, our flesh relishes the uh, and, and dangling, if you will, the feet of our of our offender over the open fires of resentment. We just kind of drop something, just a little hint to watch him squirm, you know. Yeah, to remind him of an offense that happened last week. Or 20 years ago, just to watch them squirm because we still remember it and we're still playing with it. And we like to use it as an implement of torture. Married couples are good for this. We, they should make a board game called, you know, <laughs> resentment. Because <laughs> we like to play those games, drop little, little hints, you know. Well, I think I'll go ahead and take care of that because I know you didn't do it the last time. Hmm. Little, little hints and all. Amen. 
And we need to repent of it. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 17 that he who covers a transgression seeks love. Are we seeking love or are we seeking revenge? He who covers a transgression seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates friends. If I'm repeating a matter, I'm working out with the devil. And what is the devil's desire? To divide. I'm not bringing unity. I'm repeating a matter. It's not producing unity. It's producing division in my marriage or division in the church. Are you seeking love and choosing to forgive or revenge? Faith is the means by which we are able to cancel the check of unforgiveness. The disciples declared, Lord, increase our faith. But the truth of the matter is, is there will be no increase in our faith until there's a decrease in our flesh. John the Baptist said it well in John chapter 3 when he said that he, Jesus, must increase, but I must decrease. The original Greek Dear friend of mine, a Greek theologian or scholar told me, he said, you know what? It literally means he must continually increase. I must continually decrease. Because the enemy is going to try to bring things back in your mind, offenses from the past and all, and I must continually, it's an ongoing process, decrease in order to forgive. Jesus answered the disciples' request, Lord, increase our faith in verse 6 where he says, so the Lord said, if you have Faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Wow. The first thought came to me was that why would the Lord say mulberry tree? Why, you know, he's the creator, creator of the heavens and the earth, creator of all nature and all. And he, he had a unique, he had an understanding, I should say, of the mulberry tree. Unlike most trees, the roots of a mulberry tree grow horizontally and vertically. And so that is totally interwoven, and to try to uproot a mulberry tree is next to impossible. Jesus said, if that offense, that thing which is so impossible, like the roots of a mulberry tree, that thing that's in the way that you're like, this is, there's just no way that there can ever be forgiveness. There's no way I can get past this offense. Jesus is saying, if you just have the faith of a mustard seed, you can uproot that tree and have it, that offense and have it cast into the sea of forgetfulness. That impossible, immovable offense can be moved by a small seed, that of a mustard seed, a little bit larger than a grain of sand, measuring about one to two millimeters. They said, increase our faith. Jesus is saying, you don't need much. Just the faith of a mustard seed to get beyond the offense. Don't take much. I need to go to a seminar. No, you don't. Save your money. Put your faith in Jesus. Just a small amount of faith to remove that offense. Unforgiveness can become like the roots of a mulberry tree, snarled and interwoven in your heart and in your mind, immovable, impossible to move. And it is impossible in and of ourselves until we understand two things that are important that Jesus points out here in his lesson regarding forgiveness. Number one, A, is this. Speak to it. Speak to the offense. Call it what it is. Call that deep-seated envy and jealousy and resentment and bitterness and unforgiveness. Call it 
what it is. Speak to it. What is it? It's sin. It's not your right to hold on to it. It's sin. He says here, he just says, you know, that, that, that the phrase, he says that you can actually speak to that mulberry tree. To what? The mulberry tree is just a, a metaphor for the offense. You can say, you can say, that, that, that the phrase or the word uh, for the phrase you can say in Greek is lego. It means to speak, to command, to direct. Wow. To speak, to command, and to direct my emotions, my feelings in the direction of righteousness rather than of carnality. And I thought, you know, if you take the L from the Greek word lego, we have what? Ego. Amen. Your ego will keep you from speaking and calling out that sin for what it is. Ego, the acrostic edging God out. Forgiveness is impossible until we take our ego captive. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, listen to these words, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, not getting even, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into what? Captivity. To what? The obedience of Christ. And being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Until I'm obedient with Christ, I will not punish the disobedience that my flesh wants to do, which is to hold a grudge or to walk in unforgiveness. In this particular case, Pastor Al will be back with part two of today's message titled Forgiving One Another in just a moment. As we course our way through the year 2023, there are some very heavy challenges ahead for each of us. Would you like someone to pray for you? We would count it a real blessing to be able to do that. So share your prayer needs with us by going to our website, cwccs.org and click the Need Prayer tab at the top of the homepage. That's cwccs.org. And thanks for remembering the dwelling place in your prayers as well. Now here's Pastor Al to finish up today's message here on The Dwelling Place. I must take my ego, my flesh captive, into obedience in Christ. First, obeying the Lord. I must redirect my flesh. Do not allow your ego to dictate your steps, the steps of your life, the way you treat one another. Jesus demonstrated this in rebuking Peter's ego. Peter was on one track. Jesus had to correct him, and he did it in a very, very straightforward way. Well, where's that in Scripture? Well, I'm glad you asked. It's Matthew chapter 16. I have the verses on the screen, verse 23. And Peter is talking to Jesus, telling, giving Jesus once again advice and G about the fact that he's not going to go to the cross. Jesus, get that out of your mind. That's stinking thinking. You know, you're, you're going to set up your kingdom and you're not going to the cross. And the Bible says Jesus turned to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me. That's where offense is good when the things that offend Jesus offend us. You're an offense to me. You are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. When we're mindful of the things of men, getting even and not, not forgiving someone and holding someone captive in our little self-made prison, which in fact only incarcerates ourselves. When we're mindful of the things of men, we will never be mindful of the things of God. And what happens when we're mindful of the things of men, the devil who should be in back of you gets in front of you. 
And Jesus recognized that Peter, you know, I think, man, if I could get to a time capsule and go back, you know, to that very moment Jesus rebuked Peter, I would love to see the look on his face. Because I'm thinking, I'm, Peter's like, you know, he, he's, he thinks he's the closest to Jesus because he's, he's not only close to Jesus, he's Jesus' advisor. And he's rebuking Jesus for thinking that, you know, for saying that he's going to go to the cross. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. And I'm sure Peter, that look on his face like, I thought I was your boy. <laughs> no, you're Satan right now because you know what? The devil's using you because you're mindful not of the things of God, but the things of men. And, and, and what happens when we do that is, again, the devil gets in front of us instead of behind us. The devil was always there. Jesus knew he was always there. But Jesus kept him in his appropriate place. And where is that? For the believer, it's behind us, not in front of us. Not leading us in how we should react to people and whether or not we're going to forgive people. But he should always be behind us. The cross is before us. Amen. Peter gets rebuked by the Lord. He rebukes his ego so that he could correct Peter's path. The Lord said, take heed to yourselves. Ask yourself that this morning, is the devil behind me or in front of me? You can answer that when you think of that person who's offended you. Call it what it is. In other words, expose that sin, uh, unforgiveness, that bitterness, that whatever, to the light of God's word. Best disinfectant is light. Expose that sin to the light of God's word. What does that mean? That means I, I want to <laughs> kill this person, you <laughs> know. That's extreme, but you know, I really hate this person. And the Lord says, love this person. I'm mindful of the things of man, or am I mindful of the things of God? If I want to hate this person, God says, love him. Guess where the problem lies? And so I need to expose my sin and confess, God, this is what I really feel. But your word says, the light of your word says, love him. So God, give me strength. Help me to align my heart and my mind with the light of your word. Amen. So that impossible mulberry tree can be uprooted if we call it what it is, that offense. And, and secondly, B, I meant A, call it what it is, B, the way we can overcome that mulberry tree, those roots that are interwoven together, that impossible, immovable, stubborn place, that offense it can be moved when we see ourselves as servants. Unless we see ourselves as servants, that mulberry tree, that offense is impossible. Now, the reason I say that is we continue to read through Luke chapter 17, verses 7 to 10 is interesting. There is no break in the Lord's lesson in teaching them about forgiveness. It doesn't say, and then the next day. No, it just continues. Jesus is still teaching. This is a class is still in session. And he goes right in to verse 7. And listen to what the Lord says. He says, and which of you, having a servant plowing or tending sheep, will say to him when he has come in from the field, come at once and sit down to eat. But will he not rather say to him, prepare something for my supper and gird yourself and serve me till I have eaten and drunk and afterward you will eat and drink? Does he thank that servant because he did the things that were or commanded him? And Jesus said, I think not. And verse 10, the Lord says, so likewise you, Still teaching about forgiveness. 
Likewise, you, when you have done all that those, uh, all those things which you are commanded, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty to do. You know, keep in mind, he's still talking about forgiveness. Well, what's the, didn't he change it to, he's talking about a, a, a servant. No, same lesson. Same lesson. There's no disconnect. In other words, the Lord is basically saying in this brief story, parable, that he is the master and we are the servant. And if he asks us to forgive, our response is to forgive. And there are times God will ask you to forgive, and you've been laboring in the field all day. You're tired, and people are on your last nerve, and God says forgive. And we think, Lord, this is not fair. When am I going to get to sit down and eat? But the master says, do this. Prepare my place, and then you can come sit down and eat. Should, should the master say to the guy when he comes, uh, the woman, whoever comes in, the servant that comes in, and says, oh, oh, you poor thing, oh, you, you work so hard. Pastor Al, you preach three sermons a day. You, you're so hard. You, know, you have a right to be angry. No, fix me something. When you finish with me, then you can sit down and get you something. And what should that servant's response be? Oh, I'm so angry. The servant comes to his mind and he realizes, whoa. I'm a servant. I'm only doing that which is my duty as a servant. If we do not see ourselves as a servant, we will never forgive. This is the point Jesus is making. You are my servant. I've commanded you. I didn't say it was easy. I didn't wait until you got a good night's sleep. I didn't wait until you didn't feel tired or hungry. I'm telling you right now, commanding you forgive, and you should forgive. And your response should be, I'm an unprofitable servant. A servant that has been bought at a price. A servant that the, the, my master paid my price in full. I belong to him. Now that, that offends our minds as Americans and we got a constitution and all that. But before that, people were sla they had slaves and servants. And of course, America had a period of slavery as well. And the slave didn't have any rights. Jesus, back in this day, they had slaves and, and, and people who were slaves and, and had masters, and, and the master would pay for you, and, and you, you, know, you were an unprofitable servant in the sense that you didn't bring a nickel to the table for your purchase. Master paid it all. Again, don't get lost in the fact that this master-servant thing, but he's using terminology that they understand, and we should understand it as well today because we are called servants of the Most High God. And when the Lord says forgive, we don't negotiate with it. We don't say, well, I'm too tired. And we don't say, oh, you know, I need to, well, let, me get, let, me, let me sleep on it. We obey. It kind of gets me when, when people sign up for the military, especially like in the army, the infantry or something, and then they get sent off to war and they go, wait a minute, I didn't sign up for this. You're a soldier. What do you think, just walk around with a uniform look pretty all the time? You like to wear the suit? You got to pick up a rifle sometimes. You, know, you got to get them playing and flying or whatever it is. You're a soldier in the service of our country. We are called soldiers in Jesus Christ, but more importantly, we are servants. So when the Lord says, forgive, I'm only doing what I'm supposed to do as a servant. Romans chapter 5 says that when we were still without strength, as when we were still in our sins, 
we're still bankrupt spiritually. In due time, Christ died for the ungodly. In other words, Jesus paid our price in full on the cross. And therefore, we are debtors. Not to our flesh to do what our flesh wants, really. We're debtors to Christ. Romans chapter 8 says, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death, and we got to put it to death, that unforgiveness or whatever, put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are really the people who are sons and daughters of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Daddy, Father. We belong to him, and I'm indebted to obey him, not the dictates of my flesh. I must see myself as a servant if I'm to forgive as I have been forgiven. Therefore, if he calls us to forgive, we should forgive. The application of this is very simple. We forgive because he's forgiven us. Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15 says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, we've already alluded to this, but he says, Your heavenly Father will also forgive your trespasses. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. You've been around the church for a while. There's a lot of trespasses, amen. And you've got some trespasses. You've got some things you've done or whatever. But the reality is that Pastor Al forgives people. I forgive people, not because people have earned the right to be forgiven. I forgive them because I want my sins forgiven. <laughs> amen. That should be the motivation for our forgiveness. That God has forgiven me. Again, like I said in the beginning, Forgiveness begins for us as believers at the cross. Look what God has forgiven me for. And then for me to hold a grudge against somebody and unforgiveness is an offense to the cross. Forgive others as you have been forgiven. This has been The Dwelling Place, featuring the Bible teaching ministry of Pastor Al Pittman, Senior Pastor at Calvary Worship Center in Colorado Springs, Colorado. If you enjoy Pastor Al's teaching ministry, we have some good news for you. You can listen, Watch or download an archive of past messages with a simple mouse click at cwccs.org. Just click the Messages tab at the top of the page. And while you're checking out our website, be sure to download the Calvary Worship Center app for your device and take Pastor Al wherever you go. The Dwelling Place is also available at oneplace.com. And I'd also like to ask you to take a few moments today to send Pastor Al an email and let him know that you enjoy the dwelling place on this station. You can also share a prayer request with us. Just send an email to amen at cwccs.org. Have you considered becoming a financial supporter of the dwelling place? We really need your support to keep this radio ministry going and growing. You can support this program with a one-time gift or become a monthly supporter. If you'd like to join our support team, you can do so at our website cwccs.org or by texting the word GIVE to 719-354-2778. If you live in the Colorado Springs area and are looking for a church home or you'll be visiting the area in the future, 
we invite you to come join us for worship here at Calvary Worship Center. You'll find directions and more information at cwccs.org. And no matter where you are, you can watch our services via live streaming right there at our website. You'll find directions and service times for both locations at cwccs.org. That ends our series, Healthy Church Fundamentals. Next time, Pastor Al begins a brand new series in the exciting book of Joshua. If you have a chance, read the first chapter sometime today and join us next time for the start of a great journey. Dwelling place.